Happy Sunday morning, K2. I am Carrie, and I'm the youth director at K2, and I am so excited to spend a little time with you today and continue our series looking at Hebrews 12. And I am here with the sun in my eyes and the beautiful mountains behind me and this lake on purpose because we are looking at peace. And this is one of my absolute favorite places to pray. And I often will walk around this lake, um, sometimes the hikes and the lakes up around here, and just center myself and find peace in my heart. And I don't know about you, the things that uh, give you peace. The other thing for me is the ocean. I wish we were shooting in front of the ocean right now. Uh, don't we all? <laughs> and um, and I just, I just want to ask you, what are the things that bring you peace? What are the things that cause your heart to soften and quiet and give perspective? And I know what doesn't give me peace right now across the street from my house is a construction zone. <laughs> and the noise, like we bought this house because we have a little reservoir right across the street from our house and all these walking trails. And all of a sudden they have a construction zone because they're building us a Harmons and putting some more housing right across there. And I'm woken up in the morning at sometimes the sound of construction. And that does not give me peace. <laughs> I don't know if anybody out there, when I said, what gives you peace? Your thought was, oh yeah, construction zone. That's peaceful. But what about this? This gives peace. A couple weeks ago, our family actually got a chance to go up to the Grand Tetons. And we had one of the most incredible experiences. We were sitting, first of all, the national parks were completely empty, <laughs> completely, because they had just opened up. And we were sitting, having lunch at a picnic table, just us, no other people in sight. And um, one of my daughters looks up and goes, hey, there's an elk right behind us. We look over and we're like, there's an elk? And I look over and I see the elk. And so I was like, we should, we should go get a little closer and see what the elk is looking at. The elk was staring down something. And as we got closer, we saw it was a moose. So I have this picture, an elk and a moose in a stare down. And we just sat there and we had this whole moment, nobody else in the entire park around us, just our family experiencing this moment. And then my husband says, oh, there's a baby. And this baby was born only a few hours earlier. Talk about a peaceful moment. And we slowly, quietly walked around and watched him take its first steps. Well, I give anything for a moment like that every day. Every day where we have this sense of just quiet and peace and our hearts can be filled with just a moment of reflection. And as we look into Hebrews 12, we're going to be looking... Dave has been walking us through this, and up until this point, he's been talking about us pursuing our walk with Christ, our union with God. And starting today, it takes a turn, and in light of that, what does our walk with each other look like? And so we're not talking about the peace that God gives us today. We're talking about the peace we give other people, the peace we share, and the peace we create with those around us. And 
often when we talk about peace, we think of this like bubble of tranquility, right? You get it floating, totally zen, all the haters stay out, keep away, nothing can hurt me in my bubble. But when we look at the verses I'm about to read, I'm hoping to break that bubble for you today. Because inside that bubble are not, we usually don't have other people. And we are called to go and be with other people. So let's just look at that verse right now. In Hebrews 12, verses 14 and 15 is what we're starting with today. It says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will ever see the Lord. See that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And so today, all my points and everything I'm going to look at, we're taking a, a tight focus on that first sentence. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. And that is where we're starting right now. That um, chapter in Hebrews is one of my all-time favorite. And the other thing we often think about peace is that it's this fluffy, happy thing. And this chapter is actually a warning from the very first verse where it says, uh, throw off the sin that so easily entangles to the very last verse that Dave will be hitting here in a few weeks that says, our God is a consuming fire. This whole chapter is a warning for us who believe in Jesus, who follow him to be careful as we live and to not have these missteps, these things that tangle us up, these sins. And there are two very specific sins that, that the writer of Hebrews mentions. And the first of those two is peace, not living in peace with each other. This, I just read out of the NIV that says, make every effort to live in peace. And it's funny because that's like five words, right? Make every effort to live in peace, six words. But in the original Greek, it's one word. And that word is translated pursue. Pursue peace. Now, the word pursue is this active, all-in, physical, mental movement that we need to break out of this bubble and move towards peace. Not stay in this little tranquil thing, but walk and move into peace with others. It's actually a call to action. It's, an, it's a call to fight for peace to stand up and make a difference in your relationships, in our community, and in our world. And we often think, oh, well, I'm living at peace. I'm just going to hide away in my little world and be quiet. Maybe you're even like me who takes Facebook breaks every once in a while because I want to hide away from all the noise and all the stuff. And that's all good and fine as long as we don't stay there. We must move forward in peace. We have to engage. We have to engage. The other day, um, we took our teens hiking. We Youth group just started meeting again, and we're doing all these outdoor active things. And all of us went hiking. There was about 30 of us total. 
divide everybody into groups and I was the tail. As always, I'm usually the tail of the group. And we were out and this hike was a little tougher than I expected. For me, it was a lot tougher. There were boulders all over on the way up and it was hard. Now, some of the teens, they just bounded over the boulders and up they went all the way to the reservoir and up even higher. And other teens were like, okay, it's a little bit hard, but we're good. And then there was me and I sat back. I don't think I saw any teens. They lapped me. They went up with all their leaders, circled back, and I just slowly but surely, step by step, worked and worked and worked to get up that hill. And it was tough. I was hot. I was tired. I was dirty. I have, um, I'm pretty anemic right now. So I was lightheaded. I wasn't finding my right footing, but yet I went on. Why? Because it was worth it. It's worth it. I, I write on my Instagram, and you might have heard these like little cheesy things that difficult paths lead to beautiful destinations. Well, okay, it's kind of true. <laughs> it's kind of true. And that's what this verse is saying. Fight for the something that's tough. Walk the hard path for the beautiful end. Get out of the bubble. And, and even if it's tough, even if you have to struggle and strive and work at it, the writer of Hebrews is saying, do it. Be actively involved and do it. It's really interesting. I was reading one of the commentaries on it, and it said, these verses are really highlighting this phrase. Make war with sin, not with people. So when we see our people and our friends and our neighbors and people in our community hurting, hurting because of so many things, but the thing all over the news and all over our lives right now is racism. And yet we don't engage it. We don't talk about it. We are not being proponents of peace. We have to fight with and for them. We have to stand alongside our brothers and sisters and say, if you don't have peace, I am going to help walk with you. If you have an individual relationship in your family, and why is it that families are, can always be the toughest? <laughs> I don't know why. Some of you might struggle with the bigger community things or world issues, but often it's our family, those closest to us. They can hurt us the deepest, deepest. and we just want to Shut it down. But we must actively pursue peace. Because peace does not equal passivity. It doesn't, I, I heard this at one of the funerals uh, for George Floyd. It does not equal quiet. And this verse is saying just that. Be active in pursuing peace. That's what God's asking us to do. Not live in that bubble pretending like everything's okay when people are hurting around us, but to actively pursue its action. Will you join me in this tough hike? Dirty, long, sometimes exhausting hike of pursuing peace with people. The second one piece of this is the next part of that verse, and it is just simply with everyone. 
with everyone. I'm going to get a drink here. With everyone. Pursue peace with everyone. I, I think whenever I read this, I think of that meme that goes around with Jesus sitting there and it says like, but what about these people and these people and these people? And Jesus is like, did I stutter? <laughs> right? With everyone. Now, this passage and that verse is a very generic all people. Not just believers, not just people like us, not just people that vote like us, not just people that look like us. Everyone. Everyone. Now, I don't know about you. One of the toughest people for me to live in peace with are people that have hurt me. And uh, one of my favorite groups of people, let's start there, are youth pastors. Because, hey, that's what I do. And all my other meetings I do in life are like, we have agendas and we have to go through all this stuff. And they're all kind of boring and very serious. But when you get together a whole group of youth pastors, like, you can, like, riff on, like, 30, 40 minutes of, is Drake really a musician? Or, and then all of a sudden you get back into, like, a subject matter. And there was a few years ago, about 20 years ago, actually, I went to a youth pastor getaway, and I was so excited to go. It was my second youth pastor position, and we had just moved to this new church in town. And I went to this place, and my husband came with, and he was the children's director at our church. And we went together, and we just had finished dinner, and they said, all right, now all the youth pastors are going to go, and we're going to do a training and meet us at this place at 7 o'clock. So we were like, great. And I, I talked to Dave, and I'm like, do you want to come with? Like, he goes, yeah, I learn leadership stuff no matter where I go. I love hanging with youth pastors. I'd love to come with you. I'm like, great. So come on with me. Well, we went, and we sat down, and the speaker started with staring straight at me. And he's like, oh. Oh. And I'm like, what's going on? What, what, what's happening? Why is he saying, oh? And he looked at me and he said, um, all of our wives are going shopping. And I went, oh, that's nice. Kind of unaware of really what was happening at the moment. And he didn't stop staring at me. And a couple seconds later, he goes, wouldn't you be more comfortable going shopping. And then I, I got it. I looked around that room and I was the only female in the room. And that group of people, both the speaker and all the men surrounding me who said nothing, went from being my favorite people to my least favorite people like that. <laughs> because for the first time, I never until that moment experienced feeling singled out and not wanted. And for the first time, I was, like, I was hurt. I was like, I'm the youth pastor here. I don't get to learn because I'm a female, but my husband can stay. And my husband and I talked about it later. He's like, he's not really fast on the, like, really speedy on the comebacks. And we talked about it later, and he's like, I should have got up and said, I'd love to go shopping, and then walked out and left me there. <laughs> I 
That would have been hilarious, but we didn't do that. I just sat there and I shrunk into myself for the next two hours. And I felt every eye staring at the back of me. Now, did I have a right to feel hurt? Absolutely. Did I have a right to feel offended? Absolutely. Did I have a right to feel like I was being treated like nothing? Absolutely. But what I did next was wrong. And what I did was I iced out not only the speaker, but every other youth pastor in that room. To this day, I can't even tell you the name because I'm still probably struggling with it. <laughs> I even asked Dave um, last night. I'm like, you probably remember his name. Don't even tell me. I don't even want to know because I'm still struggling with it. And I should have engaged it. See, it's easy to engage peace with people you like. It's easy to engage peace with people you agree with. And it's a lot tougher when it's somebody who's hurt you. But I, I was really convicted about this. I should have engaged him and let him know that he hurt me. What if he, for all these other years, went and did that to other people? I could have stopped that and brought peace to many, many people just by moving forward and engaging it. Bob Goff, I don't know if you guys know Bob. Um, I've got a chance to hear him speak a number of times and have read his books. And in his book, Everybody Always, get it. If you're struggling at all with this point on, on making peace with all people, get this book. He is, because that's where the title is, Everybody Always. Did I stutter? Everybody Always. He has a chapter called Creepy People. <laughs> he said one time in a conference, uh, God wants you to love even the people that creep you out creep you out. I don't want to love that person. But yet Bob Goff has lived that life. He actually went into a prison and led witch doctors who have sacrificed children to Jesus. Talk about loving people that creep you out. And so if you want to be inspired of this, if you're like, this is an area that, um, which probably every single one of us listening, including myself, we need to grow in, get that book. Be inspired. Be inspired of how we can reach, make peace with, and love people better. So my challenge for you on this one is to break that bubble. Get outside Love people and make peace with people that are different than you. That think differently, that vote differently, that worship differently. In every way, this passage is for all people. And then the third thing uh, that this verse is saying is it says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone, and to be holy. So we're going to stop and we're going to talk a little bit about holiness. Now this word holiness can kind of freak some people out. Anybody? It can freak you out. Because it's, it's overwhelming. It feels like you have to be perfect. And it actually goes on to say, if you without holiness you will not see God. 
And so I want to dig into and unpack this word holy. Now, in Hebrews 12, holiness is used more than once. And in verse 10, it is a different Greek word. And that one is talking about God's holiness. And that's the holiness that you're probably thinking of. This perfect, I can never make a mistake, all holy, all powerful. That is God. This word holiness is translated, actually, sanctification. Ooh, now there's a good churchy word. <laughs> Everyone, saint, everybody say it with me, sanctification. Um, so I'm going to teach you because that's the literal definition. And my point for this is going to be how my definition of sanctification. And that is continually becoming more Christ-like. So our first point is pursue peace. Second one, with everybody while continually becoming more Christ-like. Because that's what sanctification is. So there's two fancy words. There's justification and sanctification. And don't ever get them mixed up, but they're similar. And so it's easy to get them mixed up. (laughs) So I like to tell our teenagers this because it's how we and I have often got messed up with focusing on the sin versus on our Savior. And so justification is the free gift of God The second we have accepted Christ into our life, we are fully justified, just as if I had never sinned. We are seen 100% holy, blameless, spotless, white as snow, on that moment and forevermore through God's eyes. That is justification. Every one of us who have accepted him in our life, and if you haven't yet, take even today as your moment to accept That beautiful gift. And it comes because of the gift of Jesus dying on the cross, coming to this earth, and walked alongside us. Walked alongside humans that hurt him. So that he could become the sacrifice for our sins. Once for all, a free gift from him. That's justification. And so sanctification is this continual process of us becoming more and more like Christ. So at all at once, we have become 100% holy, and we are continually being made holy. And why, does, why do we need to be continually made holy? Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a place where sin reigns. We still sin. And here's the great equalizer about justification and sanctification. I often have teenagers and adults who are new believers look at people who have been Christians for 30, 40 years, and they, they, get, they get a little um, taken back, and they're like, I could never be like that. If that's how I have to live, I have so far. But you're seeing the same in God's eyes. You both are seen seen as flawless, holy. And both, whether you've been a believer for 10 minutes or 10 years, every day needing to move and grow and become more like Jesus. One of the reasons I wanted to do this in front of a lake is because I love the analogy of a lake versus a swamp. A lake has life and new life being brought in, and new life going out of it. Otherwise, it becomes a pond or a swamp. 
And anybody that has experience with a swamp knows that if you just sit still and life isn't brought into you, transformation and poured out of you, you kind of start stinking. It, pond scum will grow right on top of you. <laughs> How do you like that? That's a very spiritual word of the day, pond scum. And it, this lake is beautiful because it has springs of living water going in and pouring out of it. And that is an analogy of our life through sanctification. God will continually fill us as we are walking in union with him. And we are to continually pour out in living with peace with others. Uh, what, one of the reasons I, I love that the writer of Hebrews put these together is because when we look at pursuing peace with all people, it's this very tight look into the people in our lives and in our communities and those around us. But when he or she, uh, the author, gives us this 10,000-foot view and brings in the word holiness, it's changing the perspective. Because from this view, we look first at God, a holy God. Verse 2 of chapter 12 says, Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. When our eyes are on him, everything changes. Now when we see people through that understanding that he died for us, he has made us new, he has made us holy, and we are continually being made holy, now when I see a person who might have annoyed me in the past, I should see a creation of God. It changes the way we see it. So it's like this with sin. So think of a sin like a temptation. And if we stare at it like, I love ice cream. So I'm looking at this bowl of ice cream and going, don't eat the ice cream. Whatever you do, don't. But I can't take my eyes off the ice cream. What's going to happen? I'm going to want the ice cream more. And all of a sudden, everything I do is focused around the thing I shouldn't be doing. Don't eat the ice cream. But if I take my eyes up and I look, maybe I can look at a clock. And then I see, oh, it's 30 minutes to dinner. I can wait till then. I didn't realize it was so close. I was so focused on the ice cream, I didn't see the bigger picture. If we keep our eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith, and walk in union with God, then these struggles that are listed become a seen through a different lens. Now, all of a sudden, when we see people that we might not agree with, that might have hurt us, we will see them through the lens of God's love, through the lens of his sacrifice. And everything changes. And that is why it says here, to be holy is our continual process of becoming more like Jesus and therefore seeing people through those eyes as we fix our eyes on him and treating them differently because of it. So why do we do this? The first thing, and you see this in verse 15, so we don't fall short of the grace of God. It's everything we just talked about. The fact that this grace was given us as a free gift. The warning is don't fall short of that. And the second, so that no bitter root grows up and defiles many. Now that's a heavy verse. 
And it's listed here, and I, and I really believe it's listed here both for the verse I talked about today about peace and the verse that Derek's going to talk about next week. In light of this entire chapter that starts with throwing off the sin that so easily entangles. I, I believe that living in peace with people is the one of those that easily entangles us. So much so that a bitter root can grab hold and grow up. And so the, the author of Hebrews is saying here, be careful. Don't do that. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Grow continually more like Jesus. Pursue peace with everyone as you grow more and more Christ-like. So as we close, the band is going to play a song here in a second. And during the song, I, I would love you guys to do worship a little different during the song. Um, I would love you to reflect, to repent if you, need a, if you had a moment of like, yeah, I, I haven't been living at peace with everybody. Take a moment and meditate on the Lord. And I have a few questions. If you have something to write with, write it down or take a phone and type it into your notes um, or just log them into your head. And, and maybe just write and journal during the song. And you can spend all your time on one of the questions. You can just listen to the lyrics of this worship song. But take this time to quiet your heart and reflect. Reflect on how your life is. If people encountered you, would they describe you as as peaceful as a lake? Would they describe you as a proponent of peace? I know for myself, I'm not always as peaceful as a lake. I'm sometimes the construction site. I am. And I need to do and let Christ transform me more in this area. So here's your questions. First, would others describe you as a proponent of peace? Second question is what are ways you can actively pursue peace starting today? And then the third one, who or whom specifically is God prompting you to pursue peace with? So go ahead right now. The worship will come on. If you need to just close your eyes and soak in those lyrics and just take this time and reflect. And when we come back, we're going to do communion together.